Uh, I might keep it. I like it. <laughs> I, I like it. It's just massive. Well, you know, some people... I, I remember years ago, I was with... Uh, as a, a job... We're recording, by the way. Just everyone should know that. Sorry, and go down. Right. Just in case you were going to say just, some... Years just ago, talk remember, some remember shit about it. somebody. Talking over each other. I did a job, uh, I think it was for Mobiki. Right. And we sh- we shot in their offices, uh, and you were the director, producer. Yes, you did a job that I hired you for. Yes, yeah, it was great. Um, anyway, the uh, one of the, I remember the financial guy had this massive TV, like wall sized monitor that he sat in front of, you know, one foot away, and I just it, like he had like it was three feet by two feet high. It's massive, and he was like, oh, that's an interesting approach to. Uh, Monitors, so it's uh, you know it's coming. I guess you're enjoying the the, the real estate there this morning. I am actually, yeah, but thank you, Dan. It can, it can lead to epilepsy, <laughs> and we don't we don't need to pile that on top of everything else he's got. Oh, Believe fuck. me, yeah, it's funny because you know I I haven't what. <laughs> Stan, you know Stan the dog. You guys don't remember this, but in 2016, Stan started having some epileptic seizures, right. And uh, he hasn't been too bad. Like, I haven't seen him, like, wig out for a while. But the last couple of nights, he's been sitting, <laughs> laying next to me in bed, just, just fucking doing this. And I wasn't sure if it was because he was cold or I'm like, oh, maybe he's having, like, little mini seizures. That's all. That's all. Which <laughs> would you prefer? <laughs> um, let's start the show. Come on, boys. Come on, boys. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios in Toronto, from our cottage-like Brampton facility, and from Lisa's house in Peterborough. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Aaron Ventures, evnet.ca, and our newest sponsor, Architect Outdoor Living, better building by design. And here are two men who have checked the Saturday schedule. Jay's at 6.30 p.m., no Leafs game, Wells Fargo golf tournament starts early, but who cares? And Trump is golfing in Scotland, so good to go with the coronation. Ready for crowns at 6 a.m. Saturday. It's King Humble and King Fred. Uh, first of all, I take offense. What do you mean, Wells Fargo? Who cares? Uh, it's a elevated event, and uh, some of the best players in the world are playing in it. But I, I want to let's get to the coronation later because I we know exactly what Fred's going to say and what I'm going to say. We hate the monarchy. Uh, all right, and interesting, uh, yeah. just really interesting too that we, Fred and I, refer to your location as uh, girlfriend Lisa's, Lisa's house, but you don't. You're 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 always hedging your bet just in case, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, we isn't that true, Fred? We call it like I, I call it girlfriend Lisa's house. Dan's not going to call her girlfriend until she gives him a ring, <laughs> <laughs> and not a cock ring, Dad. Come on! <laughs> I did want to tell you a quick story, if I can, about Stan and me. A couple nights ago, Spencer. I, I think I've said this on the show. Spencer's moved back in. Dan moved out Thursday. Spencer moved in Thursday night, and Saturday night I wake up. In the middle of the night, I go to the washroom. But right as soon as I wake up, I'm like pretty sweaty. And and the other thing, you know, I do have a bit of a heart issue. And it has been bothering me lately. That's why I went to the doctor Monday. And what, what it happens is when I'm at rest, in the middle of the night, I get these extra heartbeats. And I can really feel them. Apparently, I'm having them all the time. But I really feel them at night. And it's a bit, you know, I'll be honest, it's a bit off-putting. 
And so I get yeah. up on it because it's sort of like, am I what's going on here? So I wake up and I'm in a bit of a sweat and I'm like, oh, shit, my heart feels weird. So I go to the washroom. I come back and stands curled up where I was sleeping. And it's a big there's a big wet splash, like a pretty big spot there. And I'm thinking, OK, did, Tan, did Stan just piss the bed? <laughs> you know, or did and I'm like, is it, I'm like, OK, I know I didn't piss the bed. But as I said, I was pretty hot. And I, re- I thought, well, maybe that was me. Maybe I was sweating. And now I'm thinking, okay, when I go to the doctor on Monday, do I have to tell him I'm waking up in a cold sweat? You with me so far? I got it. Okay. Uh, you, yeah. Wow. And then I get up the next morning, and I go downstairs, and the house is like a fucking sauna. And what Spencer has done is she has turned up the thermostat to 79. Why? <laughs> Because they were cold in the middle of the night, or what, I don't know. That room apparently was too cold for Spenny. So I, when Spencer woke up, I said, "Honey, you can't." I didn't even know the furnace went to seventy nine. <laughs> Dan, it was so hot in this house. Like I had windows and doors open for hours to get the temperature back to normal. Yikes! I, wow. I know. And so I was saying, my sweet little baby, there. I said, "Honey, you, I, I appreciate you were not. Maybe it was a bit cool, but first of all, it's good for your sleeping, and secondly, you can't turn it up to eighty. Like it was unbelievable. So it was set at seventy nine. That's right, and it was it was reading eighty, and I'd never seen those numbers. I thought something right. had gone wrong. The anyway. uh, yeah, what she's got to realize is that she, you don't have to put it to seventy nine because it's still <laughs> got to go up through seventy one, seventy two, seventy three. So just Send no, it I know to the number you want. <laughs> Jesus. Well, you know, give her a YouTube video to watch or something explaining how that all. Works. <laughs> no, but but you know, so I crossed it because I woke up when I woke up. I'm thinking, okay, now my heart is doing something that's causing me to sweat. Anyway, so that's how do you way. know you didn't piss yourself? You sleep in the nude, don't you? Uh, how do I know I didn't piss myself? Yeah. First of all, no, I don't sleep in the nude. Oh, okay. Well, then you'd know because then your underwear would be all pissed. <laughs> but I thought you slept naked, so you wouldn't know whether you pissed yourself or. Well, I think I'd. I think I'd know. <laughs> I think I'd have a clue. How do you know when you've pissed yourself? Because you're there. Because well, you're wait. Because you're there in your like old time nightgown with your fucking curly your curly <laughs> your curly hat. No, my when once I had my turp, I stopped pissing myself. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, don't. Hey, for a second I thought was that me? I did. I'm like, did I do that? Or well, why wouldn't you? Or my well, because I saw Stan sleeping next to yeah. this wet spot. I'm like, oh, he just pissed the bed. So anyway. the wet spot in your bed was your sweat. Yes. Is that what we? Because okay. my room was like in the 80s. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, something else. Yeah. Time to so, get to Spencer a blanket. No, I, that's what I said. I said, honey, there's lots of extra duvets. Uh, anyway, that's just a quick story to get us started. Dan Duran at Girlfriend Lisa's. Are you going to... The, the question everyone wants to know is, are you going to make it for the whole show today? No, I don't think no, so. No, I don't. Tomorrow, but tomorrow, I'm no, really hopeful I'll be uh, yeah. Yeah, ready to go. So, Dan, you're working in Toronto and then driving back to Peterborough every day? Right now, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I guess you're going to want to put an end to that sooner than later. Well, it may, uh, like I said, it's almost wrapped up. I, I kind of thought I'd be there already, but there's a couple of little things that need to be done. So, you know, I'm getting done. <laughs> yeah. 
So does Hazel love the job or what? Hazel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is Hazel thrilled oh. with what you've done over these past yeah, is, uh, 14 months? Is yeah. Burl? Yeah. <laughs> 14 months. When I've asked him this several times, Fred. I've said, hey, when you signed on for this job, did uh, Hazel have any idea that you would be moving in with her for, <laughs> you know, the foreseeable future? You know, she's in her 80s. <laughs> I said to him, does she, does she think she's going to die before this thing gets, gets done? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. She's got a little dimension now, too. Is that man coming back today? <laughs> sure, Is right. that man coming back? Now she thinks he's a, she's her ex-husband coming <laughs> yeah, back. That's right. She's like, is that my husband? Yeah. Is that my husband, Dan? Yeah. Flows vary together. And... Uh... <laughs> Flo. Flo, Hazel, Merle, Burl. Flo, Hazel, yeah. Mildred. She's her name, right? She's great. It's Cecile is her name. Oh, Cecile. Cecilia. Hazel. Whenever I hear Cecile, I think Hazel. I'm surprised you don't break into Cecilia. Uh, So what is, if you had to guess on the 3rd of May, and you started this uh, about a year ago, what Mm -hmm. do you believe is the end date for this job? Well, the next couple of days. Unless she wants me to do, do more stuff, but I've pretty much done everything I can there. But basically, uh, today I think will uh, be the final day. Put the final touches on on stuff, and uh, tomorrow really? it might be a little bit of cleanup. Yeah, that's my thought right, right now. But so it you'll just, be able uh, to stand there and go, "It's finished." Yes, well, I will be. Able and to then do that. Uh, will there be a ceremony? Is it kind of a, a tea ceremony, or will you two? Uh, <laughs> will you two? You know, go down well, to the, just, yeah. go down to the pub, have a, yeah. a, a smash bag, some tequila. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right here. Yeah. Cecile, let's go down to the pub. <laughs> Come on, Cecile. No. She's in her no. 80s. She's ready to go. Yeah. Now, do you have one of those contractor agreements where she can fine you for taking too long with the job? No. Oh, okay. No. She can claw back. <laughs> that's that a good that thing. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah, boy. The deal here, was... Talk to Dan. I'm going to go turn off, I'm gonna go turn off yeah. the air. Hang on, Dan. Yeah. Go talk yeah. to Dan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Dan. Well, I know what you're saying. The deal was I do it on my own time, so I, I right. haven't necessarily put in eight hour days. And there's been vacations, no. and of course, you know, there's a bit of COVID sickness, and I had a big cold in there. You know, like there, yeah. you know, whatever. And 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 I was going to say this, and I wish Howard was here. I was going to say, as long as it has taken, I'm sure if I was to come over there and look at the job, it would be, be spectacular, because on top of everything else. You are a perfectionist. Yeah, I you don't. Of- you don't stand for anything but done right. Yeah, that's true. So mm-hmm. that I takes a little more time. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. yeah. Hey, are you uh, are you thinking of coming up to the lake on the weekend? No, <clears throat> not even with the uh, super temperatures coming. No, up? it's oh. not open. They don't allow me in. I'll sneak I don't in. have a shoulder pass, Dan. I can't. Come are are you going to be up there as of this weekend? Are you going to start moving your stuff back in? No, I'm going to be a uh, hobo trailer. Do some stuff. Yeah, got to make sure things are all uh, ready to go for the season. Well, yeah, what? Yeah, what do you have to do? Like, and are you worried that other vagrants have been uh, and? Uh, <laughs> Are you worried that, you know, some uh, boxcar willy types are, have been poaching your hobo trailer for the winter? Yeah, well, there's all the normal stuff that you when you open up something, for, you know, after a, a cold winter, then you, you go in and you make sure there's no varmints, no people who, you know, squatters get all, that all done and taken care of and make sure the things are, you know, mm-hmm. secure. Good. There's no water flowing into the, the, the structure. And, you know, then go from there. Yeah, one year he went to a native person that laid, laid claim to his territory. 
What? You mean in one of our indigenous uh, people? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Dan, Dan found out his trailer was on sacred land. Oh, my goodness. That went on forever. That went on forever. <laughs> Dan, before Dan goes into the, crosses the threshold now every time he has to uh, read the, uh, <laughs> the, the message. Every time he goes in the trailer. <laughs> to read. He's got to acknowledge He's the like, land. He's yeah, right, the land acknowledgement. This is like, okay, before I go and yeah. die, we acknowledge that this was sacred land. Yeah, uh, Dan, I do that before uh, I park the car, and then I back it in. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, Dan, I don't have a shoulder pass, so I'm going to wait till the next week to go up, weather permitting. Uh, I have a family affair this weekend. Thank goodness the weather's going to be nice. Yeah. What's the affair? Oh, my sister and my nieces and nephew, they're all coming over for a nice barbecue on Sunday. So, uh, Well, that sounds nice. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. What did Dan mean when he said there's no Leaf game? So it's, it was last night, to tomorrow night, Thursday. Why is there no Leaf game Saturday? Well, that has spurred controversy, Howard. The uh, Florida-Toronto uh, uh, series does not include, through the entire seven games, if needed, a Saturday night game. American television dictates... Uh, playoff hockey now it's a sad sad thing the oilers have a game on saturday night only probably because the american network may not be interested in that in particular but uh well that's surprising what american network would that be dictating and and is it running on espn slash abc right right uh, and uh that's the sad you know i mean saturday night they want other programming i guess so the leafs are like sunday night at six thirty. So piss on the Canadian tradition of the Maple Leafs at home on a Saturday night or playing on a Saturday night. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I'd say. But. Well, we'll get to the Leafs, Dan. Uh, again, I just because Dan's only going to be with us uh, for a few minutes today. We got to make sure that uh, we get all we, we, we extract all the Dan Duran. Right. You know, uh, con- content that we can. You mentioned uh, the coronation. I had written it down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Can see. we do coronation versus God? <laughs> well, yeah, there, I got some of that. There's what some do, God do you guys stuff. Hate more. Well, I don't hate. First of all, oh, he hates nothing. No, I don't hate. Hater, there's no, I don't hate God hmm. because it doesn't he exist. How do you hate something that doesn't exist? Yeah, I just said that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't hate King Charles. I just think it's weird that a guy's, you know, in, in his seventies, finally getting the job he's waiting for for. You know, years. I mean, we, we've already talked about the monarchy. I mean, that's, I, I really, do we have to mention that every time? We've done it. We all think it's weird and, you know, but it is, uh, you know, it's sort of historical. I mean, there's that. Yes. I won't be watching it. It's also it, don't give think. a shitable, too. No, that's right. <laughs> I wrote that down. I says, I was going to ask Fred what the Bodog odds are on us giving two and a half shits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you can say that, but I mean, you that at some point as uh, an observer of the, you know, the culture. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get up and watch it, but I'm going to be aware that it's happening. Well, how, how can you not be? <laughs> well, you can like, you cannot be by just ignoring it and saying, I don't give a shit. But, no, you know. but everywhere you turn, Howard, you will see it because it's a ratings winner. Ooh. So, you know, Lisa Laflamme has been hired by Rogers to go over there and... Uh, you know what I'm saying? So all weekend long, every, like any near any media, you're going to have it in your face. There's no doubt about that. 
So the thing is, you're going to see it, but then it gets back. I see it, but do I give a shit? No, I don't. Speaking of uh, royalty, what it, it was weird in that la- a couple episodes. I'm, I'm finished. Uh, Welcome to Wrexham, and uh, there was an episode when they went to Wembley, and yeah. Will Ferrell was there. Mm-hmm. Jason Sudeikis, Sudeikis uh, Ted Lasso, a few other celebrities. And there was, to me, it looked like Prince Harry was there sitting next to Reynolds or sitting next to somebody. And they never quite showed him. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, I didn't notice that. And don't you think if he was there, they would have acknowledged it? Well, unless he said, OK, I'll, I'll come, but I don't want to be on your little uh, documentary series. Because there were several shots of this character sitting next to one of the two guys. He was a ginger. Yeah. And he looked mm. from behind to be Prince Harry. Anyway. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Um, there's an email that came in. Well, I guess uh, not an email. A uh, comment that came in on our Facebook uh, messages on Humble and Fred Radio on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Would you like me to read it to you now? Yeah, sure. He said, guys, such hypocrisy. Patterson, you are the worst. Mm-hmm. I remember during the World Cup, you actually said, and then in brackets, and Glassman too. I have no interest in watching soccer. Yet here you guys are now watching and promoting Wrexham FC. <laughs> Wait, it gets better. Glassman, what happened to you? I watched you and your girls play in Oakville at Pine, at Pine Glen. Maybe aging without integrity should be the name of the show. Still listening to Swing Thoughts so we can finally get together and play 27. God bless. I think this is somebody having a little fun with us. Well, that's true, though. Um, I got to say, though, over the years working in this industry and doing what we do, probably one of the most aggravating things is when you hear something like that and you go... Doesn't that person listen, or how do they listen? What did I say? What is today on Monday? That I had no interest in soccer, but now seeing the culture around it has drawn me in. Yeah. What more can I say than that? We. I made that point. I, I even said my buddy Darren, uh, you know, really loves it, and I've sort of been on the outside going, ah, whatever. But watching that show and appreciating now that so much more is in it and surrounds it it's like oh now i'm sort of getting it did i not make that point did you not make that point well i've made the point yes you did and i've made the point over the years that i had no appreciation for soccer until my kids started playing as that guy said he's some guy from oakville that's the weird thing about that guy is he's i've looked at his profile he's not a real and that's not really who it is it's somebody that you know has obviously known me or known of me but Mm -hmm. i said that for years i never appreciated the sport until i watched it for eight years or eight summers of my kids playing it and comma really got drawn into wrexham and as you just said and I, i just watched the last three episodes yesterday and i thought about what you said about how that show has made us both appreciate the sport even at a deeper level because it means so much to those people you know who i thought of when i was watching it yesterday i thought of leaf fans i really did Mm. because it's the kind of it's it's the kind of hand handed down from generation to generation kind of love that those wrexham fans have that leaf fans have and i'm going to be completely off um honest um take everything else away in just the actual game i mean i'm still not there yet like it doesn't 
You know what I mean? I, I'm not drawn in just to the game per se. Yet I may get there as part of this evolution. But as I say, and I made that point, all the, uh, you know, down at TFC, when I see that end zone and all those people going crazy, I'm thinking, what? What's that all about? Well, now, now I sort of understand it a bit. It's the culture of soccer, and it's something that's been borrowed from Europe. And, okay, I'm starting to see it a bit now. But uh, I don't know what else to say. And, you know, it, it's like and I, I, you, you made the comparison, or I made the comparison to the uh, F1 series, whatever, again, whatever Drive that's to survive. called. I'm blown away by how many people would not have given F1 a moment of their time and now are deeply into it. So to our buddy who uh, Facebooked us uh, this morning, uh, I don't know what to say other than you got to listen a little better. Well, and and as far as the drive to survive, like I've never it didn't draw me into starting to watch F1. But I have a bunch of one in particular, Stinky. And of course, Fred Ball and Mm -hmm. others. Uh, that I've, I watching that whole first season, I got it. I could never understand it, and I love sports, but I could never get my head around that and how how you could even call that a sport. But now I have an appreciation for it. And I'll read you one more comment. This is from Twitter to me, okay. and this is somebody. I, I'm, I again, I don't think that they're giving me a shot, but they're making an observation. Said at hum how my most heartfelt. Sorry, sent to you the Leafs bandwagon captain. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I am. Fantastic. Yes, I. That's what I said. I said mm-hmm. I, my response was, thanks, uh, Jay. The captain appreciates your kind thoughts. Sadly, they played just well enough to lose. The wagon rolls again on Thursday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, I've I've observed the Toronto Maple Leafs for 33 years. You know, I've said, I don't know how many times I have to say, I could give it a no shits to watch it in February, but I've watched all the playoff games at least the last six years, and I enjoy it. What else is there to say? You what, I, Should I, as a golf fan, begrudge the fact that you drop in a couple times a year for the Masters and maybe no. the last round of the U.S. Open? Do I say no. to you, hey, man, you didn't watch the Wells Fargo. How dare you watch the Masters? You know, the playoffs to someone like you is like a mini-series, right? Like, yeah. You're into it. There's uh, there's something that uh, grabs your interest, so you uh, follow it for the time being. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. And, again, I keep going back to 2019, how we were all captivated by the Toronto Raptors down the stretch. Even I, who don't really ever sit and watch a full basketball game, did. But my again, Delise hasn't watched a basketball since ga- a game since Game Six of the NBA Final in 2019. You know what I mean? It's like that's what you do. It's entertainment. It's sports. It's not bandwagon shouldn't even be used. You know, and I'll say this about the monarchy, and I know maybe Dan, you had a similar experience, although you probably love the monarchy along with baby Jesus. <laughs> but uh, you know. My thoughts about the monarchy definitely were influenced after watching the first couple of years of The Crown, because it was kind of like a, the way that Wrexham has done that sort of for soccer in a way, in that you sort of get a chance to see what it was like in the world that they occupied. And it kind of, I'll be honest, it's often my opinion of certainly of Liz and what she went through thinking, you know, all that stuff we talked about during the, the first couple of years. I haven't watched it in a few seasons, but... Yeah, I have too, but I had it had the opposite effect on me. I just dug in more. I, <laughs> I did. 
Because it just well, you're an extreme. You're an extreme. I'm an you're extremist. You're extremist. Yes, I am. Well, mm. yeah, but you're also smart. I mean, you can't. You, you, yes, you may have. I don't know what you mean by dug in more, but you certainly have would have had an appreciation for you understanding of what she went through, especially in the 40s and 50s and 60s. Yeah, but the next question is, why would you put a person through that when, for such a silly thing? Well, but you know what I mean. Well, you could talk about that all day yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. You know, I Bill Maher the other day, I. Uh, listening to one of his shows and i forget how it came up i think with piers morgan and he said you know you know i would never ever address anyone as your highness he said i could not do it and i thought wow that's sort of the way i feel like how could you look at another human being and say your highness like it's bizarre yeah but i guess well your, it, yeah i mean he, that's a uh, bill maher if he met the, the king he would so you know, I mean, he's. Well, it, I don't it, know. Well, he? no, he's saying that to be provocative. It's not like you know. It's not like he would really do that. The same way that he wouldn't. Uh, he would address. Would you not address if you saw if you met Donald Trump? Well, maybe not Donald Trump. No, but uh, <laughs> but you know. So someone. Well, then why would you say to the your honor or to whatever you have to say that you're you're Mr. President? Yeah, but Mr. President and Your Highness are two completely different things. What if you were in one's court? One's a would, title and one's like uh, whatever. Would you go if you were in court? Would you uh, represent say uh, the, to the to the, ma- the magistrate? They're called or judge? <laughs> Sorry, your, your honor, your, your worship, honor, your, your worship, honor, yeah. your worship, your honor, or your either one. Maybe only listen. It, if I had a charge against me, yeah, just to sniff his butt, I guess. Like, fuck, I'm not going to fuck right. with this guy. But, <sighs> anyway. but I, and again, I don't even know if that's a, a, a fair comparison. But it is a, it's a, it's like you know a doctor or reverend or whatever. It's the same kind of a, you know that's the person's position. I think so at the moment, I think great. at the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, if you met the king, you would say, "Your Highness." Whatever you're saying. I would say, I don't know, like, again, you would say Mr. King or uh, nice Mr. to meet King. you or whatever, but your highness is like, Mm-mm. that's a different territory. Yeah. Okay. Like, they're better than you. All right. That's all. All right. Um, yeah. I, 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 he's having Pierce Morgan on a lot, it seems. I've been reading about this. Has he become like his uh, sidekick or a sparring no, partner? No, no, he hasn't. He had him on once, like in the past. All right. Well, I'm, somehow I've been reading about it. Maybe I just, maybe it was just recent appearance. Uh, and, and the fun, and the interesting part of that is back to what you said. I mean, Piers, Mar, uh, Piers Morgan is like a fierce monarchist. So, I mean, this obviously stimulates debate sure. on whatever your position is what is it by the way because i'm not I, I can't stand the money it's like okay it's more like a disneyland thing and i don't yes. think we're, it should be in our money there should no be no you know in our in our political system but i understand the practicality of moving away from it is you know substantial but what is the the supporting why do who people are monarchists what's the big deal why are they so passionate about it i don't quite get that because they don't really do tradition it. history tradition yeah. oh it's just the tradition yeah. part that yeah. piece i would think yeah and again which i understand but again you know as from the outside looking in it all looks pretty silly as we've said many times if you lived in the uk though and and dan made a, an interesting comment there about it being like disneyland it is like an attraction mm-hmm. the, 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 mm-hmm. what it generates mm. i mean in terms of a mm-hmm. you know i i think again back to the crown the kind of influence that you know chuck's mom had during the uh, late parts of the war and the 50s. I mean, there was a there was an influence on the people of that country that's not the same as it used to be. But there is what, you know, it's a tradition of people who live there who love their love the royal family. 
because it's something to them. But it's it, it is like the church. Yeah, it's 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 lessening every day. Like the younger generations, again, they have sort of the attitude. But wait a minute, what's what's with this hierarchy thing? What? Why is this one family? Um, the chosen ones, you know, questions are being asked now, which you can understand just like they are about religion, because as we evolve, it's like, well, that's it's not right. You know, it's the same way that some people worship the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I'm yeah. being serious that that it, it's like a religion to, to leaf fans and some of the younger fans, you know, it's not as. When, when there was yeah. less yeah. choices, you know, when you were a kid, I was a kid, mm-hmm. there were six teams, there wasn't a thousand channels, and you couldn't watch a movie on your phone. Mm-hmm. So a, yeah. kid, a kid like Johnny Slavshot, even though he might become a Leaf fan, I'm sure you're indoctrinating him now every day. Yes. Of course. But, but there's no difference between that and exposing somebody to a religion when they're kids. Yeah. But it will be less, it'll be lessened than when you were a 10-year-old. Yeah, in fact, I think I read something about that through all this with the king, the coronation. You know, the percentage of Brits that, you know, there's a, a, a sizable portion now that think it's time to move on, where maybe 10, 20 years ago it was not nearly that high. But for all the reasons we just stated, that you can understand it. Mind you, the prince and princess fairy tale still is pretty strong with kids. Sure. That whole thing still, you know, the, the desire from, uh, I don't know, yeah, but being alive. You know, the pivotal word there four. is fairy tale. Fairy tale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's maybe part of that feeds into it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like that. I like to have that fairy tale kicking around just so that we know that there's there's still that somewhere. Yeah. And I guess it all comes down to dollars and cents, too. But as Howard said, it's there's no getting around the fact that it's like Disney World is to Florida. The monarchy is to Britain as far as, you know, teacups and caps and sure <laughs> all that shit. Um, all right. Well, listen, Daniel, I, when you finish this job, finally, you know, around, yeah. uh, I don't know, Labor Day, whenever you think it'll be done. <laughs> yeah, you know, okay. we miss you. Yeah. yeah and uh, we like having you around here. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and, and, you uh, know, hopefully tomorrow we'll, we'll be back in, uh, you know, full strength. OK. Yes. Okay. Tomorrow we'll be back. At full strength. And uh, Dan Durand, uh, you'll send me the extra, and uh, we will look forward to your news one day in the future. Okay. Have a lovely day, gentlemen. Another comment that came through on Twitter. Somebody who is a fan of us said, uh, with all due respect, today's show was funny till it wasn't. And then he says, maybe a wee revisit to an icon. And then he sent me a, uh, a link to a guy I actually follow on uh, on social media. He's a uh, musician from New- from Rochester. Very, very fine producer. I can't remember his name. Rick something. But he's a huge Lightfoot fan. And I watched a little bit of this morning. And, and there's been an outpouring of people from all over the world. Bob Dylan, uh, Billy Joel. You know, lots of people, you know, with respect to Gordon Lightfoot's passing. And I guess what this person is saying to us that we were being maybe a little bit flip about Gordon Lightfoot. You know, I love that comment. With all due respect, today's show is funny until it wasn't. I wrote back saying, you could say that about every show. <laughs> you know, that's like every show we've ever done. Yeah, it was funny for you until it wasn't funny for you. You know what I mean? That's right. 
to somebody that doesn't have a real passion for Gordon Lightfoot, it continued maybe to be funny. Right. And I, I so I said, you're right. You could say that about a lot of our shows. <laughs> I said, I do did respect Gordon Lightfoot. It's just that we sometimes have an awkward way of showing our respect. I don't recall anything really... Uh... Well, we were talking about how he looked at the end and shard himself and all those things. You know. Oh, right. <laughs> I forgot the whole sharding um, narrative. But you still, I, I yeah, that, <laughs> see, but you told what I thought was an interesting story about being at Ronnie Hawkins' place and how Hawkins, uh, yeah. you know, respected Lightfoot. Uh, Lori Love sent me uh, an article that she read yesterday, I forget from, uh, from what magazine, uh, explaining that whole thing about how uh, Sundown was written, you know, with, uh, what's her head, Kathy Smith and all that. Yeah. How she was involved and, yeah, he had rented a place or he was at a place and it was during, you know, the sun was going down and he put it all together. Yeah. But I, and I think we made the story. point too that I made the point that this was one of my favorite songs, and I, I talked about my brothers being Lightfoot mm. fans, and I remember learning learning some stuff from my brothers on the guitar, and the Gordon Lightfoot songbook was around our house. Yeah, I guess the problem was Howard when it went from a charting to charting, and yes. that's when it all started <laughs> it all to fall apart. Down. <laughs> oh, I forgot. I, lo- I love that. You're like, oh, I forgot that narrative. <laughs> I've got that poignant uh, tribute to <laughs> Canadian icon Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, uh, even our funny. buddy uh, Jeff Merrick, who I try to catch his show on uh, the Fan Five Ninety each day between noon and two. Yes, I think, dev- I think he devoted his final half hour to Gordon Lightfoot, not even talking about sports uh, loosely. How uh, Gordon was the Leafs honorary captain one year and. A Super Maple Leaf fan, but it was mostly talking about his music, his accomplishments, and I think Jeff had somebody from his band on. Very interesting. Uh, but I'm not surprised. That's that's Merrick for you. You know, he's yeah. a cut above. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't... He, see, see, Merrick would do that, but he would not go to the sharding charting, you know, area. That's our, that's our particular... Yeah, if he wasn't in front of a microphone, he might. He oh might yeah, he would. He would, def- he would participate. <laughs> he wouldn't lead, but he would participate. Um, I read another story this morning about how you know again how Lightfoot was not only a Leaf fan but a very humble man. Was at Massey Hall. Well, this was a uh, James B. Our friend who you know he's a guy around Toronto musician jazz guy jazz well big band jazz kind of a fun funky dude so he tells a story about being at massey hall for some award ceremony and um there are a bunch of people canadian icons backstage and and lightfoot was going to receive an award but in the meantime some woman who didn't know who gordon lightfoot was a woman maybe i don't know younger doesn't matter gordon comes up to james and says james um this woman's asked me to get her a Diet Coke, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, like <laughs> sh- I don't know where they are. I, I mean, because Gordon was like, I'm going to go get her a Diet Coke. Where are they? You know, kind right. of thing. And then apparently he tells a story that the woman saw Gordon go on stage to receive this award. She's like, oh, he's, oh. he's not the guy. He's not the backstage, you know, uh, caterer. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, listen, I re- we respect the guy. I do. I mean, I, you know, the guy's uh, been around for a long time. And, you know, again, you, you look at his catalog. You know, again, Billy Joel talking about this. He, he was reading this guy. Was, I was watching this morning. Billy Joel said he wrote um, She's Always a Woman. I think that was the song. He wrote that song because he thought this is the kind of song he'd like to hear Gordon Lightfoot sing. Um, 
which I thought was very cool. Well, yeah, and let me put it this way. You know, Gordon Lightfoot, you mentioned Billy Joel and uh, other artists. You know, in their own right, they deserve to be called Your Highness because of the great things that they've achieved. Yeah, okay. They've earned that. Here's another song. I was was going through this catalog this morning of Gordon Lightfoot songs that I love. I mean, this, this to me is, I haven't heard this in years, but this is a great song. Do you know this song? Of course. Do you? Do do you, Your Highness? <laughs> your Heine. <laughs> That's right. Um, That's what we would do. A pleasure to meet you, Your Heine. <laughs> Off to the chambers. But that is a thought. Like, if you had the opportunity to line up and shake hands with the king, maybe I would even avoid the opportunity so I wouldn't have to say, Your Highness. I think I, that, that, I would consider that. I, you know, you may just run up there and want to shake his hand and maybe yeah, grab his big ears. Yeah, but, I would. You know. I would. <laughs> You tell, okay, I, listen, you, you go on your little merry way, but if somebody said, hey, you have a chance to meet the King of England, you would say, no, I'll pass. So I don't have to say your highness. I don't probably that don't even have to, You probably don't even have to say your highness. If I don't know. A situation like that, yeah. But no, I, you know what? I would tough it out and say it. So I could say, yeah, I met that guy. Seemed like a normal dude. How old is he? Is he in his late 70s? I can't... I don't know. He's fucking old. Uh, all right, let's do a little business. Ralph Ben Murray's going to join us here in a second. I got a lot of things that Ralph's involved with, but something of a theme was on our show yesterday, and I wanted to run a couple sharding. of questions. Well, no, let's not... You know what? Ralph's not into the sharding either, by the way. Okay, well, you said a theme yesterday. <laughs> that was a sub-theme. <laughs> Uh, Let's take care of some business before we get too far along in this program. Hey, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one uh, group benefits plan for small uh, business. Uh, You know, just think about this. You walk into your small business, you know, you got great people working for you, and you announce that we now have a benefits package, which means when you go get your prescriptions, they are covered. Uh, When you go to the dentist, it is covered. If, uh, you know, you pull a muscle, lift in a box or something, you're looked after. You know, it's... uh, it's something that uh, employees really value. They do. When they choose a job or, you know, when they stay in the job they're in, if that can be part of it. And the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan is the best plan for small business, be it one employee or 100 employees. Uh, all these small companies get together. They have the image of a big company. It makes buying the insurance products that much more affordable. And they've done a great job of holding the line on premiums over or, uh, premiums over the past uh, several years. Again, I, I mean, I can talk about it now. Take the time today. Go to chamberplan.ca. Click on get a free quote. Find out all about it and how it can work for you. The chamber, uh, the chambers of commerce group insurance plan, uh, chamberplan.ca. And uh, let's uh, continue. Uh, actually, Bob Dylan quote uh, for was uh, for for was Gordon Lightfoot. He said, uh, "Bob Dylan said Gordon Lightfoot went to his grave without ever writing ever, ever writing a bad song." Pretty nice compliment from His Highness. You know, um, we were criticizing, maybe on some level, Gordon's appearance, but he's still better looking than Lit Dylan. Yeah, See, exactly. If you put those two guys together, you'd say, which one's dead? <laughs> There's somebody on Facebook who says, I love Gordon Life, but you can joke all about the, the death of Gordon. He was looking like Monty Burns toward the end, but then, you know, we all look like Monty Burns, but, you know, toward the end. Uh, let me tell you about uh, these uh, fine folks. 
Archidec Outdoor Living, the largest and oldest living builder in North America. 88 locations around uh, the continent. More than 150,000 projects. And uh, the Keats are our new, our new clients. They've got one of these uh, locations here in Toronto. We had Craig on the other day talking about, you know, this pretty, pretty interesting concept. But let me give you some background. They're general contractors that specialize in outdoor projects only. That structures like porches and patios, outdoor kitchens, pool houses, hardscapes and decks. They build a lot of decks. And we design and, and build beautiful outdoor living spaces for homeowners. And they're very good at it. Listen, Dan Duran's very good at it. But, you know, Dan Duran... You know, he's not giving you the kind... You know, he, he does his job in between being a movie star. These people, this is their job. You know, they're experts in design and construction. Deep organizational experience is... And there's literally nothing they haven't done and seen before. So whatever it is you're thinking of doing, these people have done it before and will help you figure out how to do it best. They put customers at the center of their business. They know renovations are a big investment. Uh, investment. It's a financial investment. It takes time, and it can be very emotional for a lot of people. And they're with you every step of the way. Their project managers are tracking all of the details, the scheduling, building permits if you need them, and creating structural plans for tradespeople, managing suppliers, and sourcing materials. Architect take, uh, takes care of it all. And now they're taking care of us, and we'd like you to take care of them. At least give them a call. If you're looking to do one of these things, I'm sure they'd be happy to uh, give you an estimate and come by and see if the job is the right one for you. Archadec, A-R-C-H-A-D-E-C-K.com. She can do where she pleases, she's nobody's fool. And she can't be convicted, she's earned her degree. So uh, my comment, you, I, I said to that person who said I was Captain Bandwagon, which I don't care. I don't mind being. Would you call me Captain? I don't mind. Uh, what I said to that person was they played just well enough to lose. And that was my assessment. I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll, I'll articulate in a moment. But I want to hear what you thought. Well, I, I don't know what to think. I mean, everybody wanted Florida over Boston, but Florida is younger and faster. That's for sure. Um, and again, I still question how it's game one at home, and you come out and get outplayed. They were outplayed. They were. Um, Florida just wanted it more, and I just find that a bit bewildering. But like the first uh, game of the Tampa series, you know, where they lost big, uh, maybe we'll see a different team on Thursday night. I hope so. I hope so. They need to. But uh, this is a whole, this is a whole different kettle of fish. Tampa Bay to Florida. There's a different, uh, yeah, just a different attack. Now, I don't totally agree with you because I thought that the first period and parts of the second and third period, the Leafs played pretty up-tempo, pretty aggressive hockey. What, what I do think, though, is that I had no idea how big, strong, and fast the Florida Panthers are. You know, I don't watch hockey during the year, but that was what I thought right away. It's like, the Leafs are playing well. That's what I'm saying. They played pretty well. They were outplayed, but it wasn't, it wasn't like they were outplayed and they were playing shitty. You know, they had, they had a, there was a, that was a pretty good hockey game overall, except for the fact that we lost. Do you not agree that there was, there was a pretty good tempo to that game? Oh, Sure. But again, that's what I find disturbing. I mean, the Leafs are supposed to, the Leafs are sort of the benchmark for that style of play in the NHL, apparently. Mm. 
and again they were taken a bit by surprise i guess although how are you surprised but um but they're a big group the the panthers are a big there's a big bunch of guys in that team and they were sort of beaten by one line last night. That's another thing, because Florida does not have the depth. Another concern is that Bobrovsky, the, yeah. the goaltender, he can be hot and cold when he's hot. Yeah. And he has previously one series all by himself. That's a concern. Uh, but we said that about Vasilevsky. Yeah, but this guy, you know, I, and there was a bit of history because apparently he was cold for a while there. Uh, the last month mm-hmm. of the regular season, they brought this other right. kid in. But, you know, yeah. he was great last night. Well, here we go. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, almost in every category, you look, the Leafs were, you know, outshot, out-hit, out-timed. Like, at home, game one, I'm just surprised. I, I expected a bit more, but uh, we'll see. Let me uh, get Ralph in here. We'll talk more. Maybe Ralph's got some Leaf thoughts. He's... Th- <laughs> Once again, we're getting once again we're getting a uh, a double Ralph hit here. So, hi Ralph. Hi. Yeah, there's for some reason another account with your name on it has also signed in. I'm just gonna. Oh, that could be Otter. Yeah, Otter. So should I get rid of that? Yeah, yeah get rid of that. Okay. Yeah, for what it's worth, Howard, I don't see it. No, that's fine because well, I have yeah. to admit it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm seeing it as somebody in the waiting room. But Ralph Benmerg, last time we. Had you on a month ago, we had only your audio, which is fine. You know, you, you don't want no Ralph, but we'd rather see you, my friend. I'm here. Did you uh, watch the uh, game last night? Before we officially introduce you, this is just like green room talk. Did, did yes. you watch the game? Uh, I watched parts of the game. I found it too upsetting. I, I gave up on, on Leafdom years ago because it was abusive. It was an abusive <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I just thought, I can't do this with these people anymore. Uh, so now I've been tortured into maybe. So now every time somebody, the other guys score a goal, I'm like, you see? You, yeah. see, you know? You see? No, yeah. No, so I went I to the Jays game, and then that pissed me off. Which one? Uh, the Jays and the Red Sox. Cause, uh, they, the oh, Jays, I, oh, I see. Oh, I thought you said you went six three and then right. lost 7-6 to a team no, they no. shouldn't lose to. So no, I, I just thought, you know what? Enough with the sports. And uh, I just turned it all off. I'm, I'm in a, a turn off all the tech stuff kind of at the beginning of this journey now because I just realized that we're just addicts. It's crazy. Like it, 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 we just can't stop watching stuff and scrolling, and yeah. it's it's driving me nuts. Well, let me uh, let's so let's true. introduce Ralph Ben Murgy officially because uh, there's lots to uh, catch up with Ralph uh, with and upon that he's uh, he's got so much going on uh, he is a uh, podcaster author speaker workshop leader and spiritual counselor he is a uh, an award-winning broadcaster we we don't even know what that feels like we got nothing. <laughs> So, and uh, of course, uh, most recently, he's added published author to the list of his many accomplishments, the biography called I Thought He Was Dead, a spiritual memoir. Please welcome our very dear amigo, Nay Hermano. Hermano, claro que sí. Como está, mi amigo? Bien, ¿y tú? Está bien, está bien. Todos los días. Hey, hey, you'll love this. Todos los días es un regalo, mi amigo. Ah. How'd you like that? Lindo, lindo. Uh, The reason I mentioned spiritual 
spirituality last Fred I had a reason for it. I said to Fred before you came on I said there's some thought there was a theme on our show yesterday not the potty humor but there was a theme about you know Fred and I uh, were talking a lot about death Gordon Lightfoot's passing I'm sure you've got some things to say yeah. about that uh, Fred had a, a friend that I had found out his friend had passed away before he did so we, we talked about that relationship who else were we talking about Freddie that had died uh Geez, I don't know. Well, uh, anyway, somebody else. Somebody yeah. else we were talking about. Well, there, there's a, a person that I know that you had met briefly. Oh, right, right. Another person, right. That had, had died. But I think I thought there was another person of note actually, that died. But I well, you know, there was a Canadian actress who, of course, being a Canadian actor, is in the witness protection program. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. But uh, Patricia <laughs> That's Hamilton. very funny. Mm-hmm. Patricia Hamilton, who was a wonderful actor, uh, she passed away, uh, and because Gordon passed away, sort of that got under the rug. But for the acting community and the arts community, that was a great loss, and that, that happened as well. So, so the reason I bring it up, Ralph, is because I've written down some things this morning. Because we, you, you've had conversations with us, you've had conversations with me about the nature of death in our culture, mm-hmm. and it's some of the work that. You started doing transitioning to, I guess, when you were leaving broadcasting or leaving that full-time broadcast position. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that because, you know, we, Fred and I had these conversations and talked about Lightfoot and his friend. And, you know, and, and one of the things we all do is we find out how old somebody was because, you know, this guy that Fred knew died same age as Fred. And then you start thinking about, okay, well, how much longer do I have, et cetera. So I, I wanted to ask, why is, why, what is, what's wrong with our relationship to death in our culture and how different it is than other cultures? Well, one of the things I think is in the Enlightenment and the scientific age is we try to treat it as a rational thing. Uh, and we end up with no, no next, it's just this a biological function, and then nothing. And that makes it hard on... on, We're the only species we know of that is aware that it it has a limited lifespan. So that already defines every single thing you do is based on the fact that you can only do it for a while, right? Whether you know it or not. But what we have instead now is just nothingness. So, And we also live much longer. So that's a whole other part of it. But we have an, a, a fear that this was all for nothing. That this is just, so, you know, it's Peggy Lee. Is that all there is, mm-hmm. you know? And it's hard on people. But we also hide it. It's this awful thing that should never happen to anyone. And then, you know, it's like the Dustin Hoffman wants on his tombstone, I knew this would happen. <laughs> You know, because we we just have this denial. The only strategy we have is just, look, you know, Woody Allen, death, I get it. It's just not for me, Mm. you know, because it's just not going to happen to you. And if it happens to somebody else, it's always a tragedy. And is it, though? Uh, I'm not so sure it's a tragedy. For me, I just, I first of all go, I don't know what I have Anyone who thinks they know what's next is like, wow, can we go to the horse races or something? Because, like, you're good. <laughs> There's just no way you know. But on the other hand, there's something in me that feels like this is part of a flow, a continuum from before and, and for after. When I think of 
when I stop thinking of the earth as the center of everything and one of literally, as Carl Sagan would say, billions and billions of stars and planets, um, then I, I just sort of see us as energy. Like you're made out of stardust, literally, and you're going to become stardust again. So for me, there's <clears throat> there's just some feeling of a spirit, a soul, and no, it's not rational, and no, I can't prove it. And everybody always says in my work, you know, well, I don't believe in God. So first they say, tell me about the God you don't believe in. And it ends up being Santa God. And the other part of it is that you just have to accept that unknowing is mystery, and mystery is cool. It's, it's not a tragedy to not know what's next. It's all you have is this. If that's what you think, then make the best of this, right? Like like you just said in Spanish, every day is a gift, mm. right? Is it necessarily culture, though? Because within the culture, there are so many religions. And my father-in-law, in particular, Seventh-day Adventist, his whole life was looking forward to the next life. That used to be a great, for a lot of people, that was enough. It's like there yeah. is a next life. But I don't buy into the uh, punishment-reward model of what our lives are, because we're all mm -hmm. half half good on, on one day and half bad, and... I, I don't want to live my life with shame and worry and guilt about, you know, where am I going? I have no idea where I'm no, going. No, and there was a lot of that almost to the point of aggravation. But since he has died, I've said that to my wife. I say, you know, I wonder if your dad is where he thought he was going to be. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's not. But as she says, like, I hope so. But again, it was just, it was it was amazing that every day of his life, it was everything will be fine because the next life he's going to. And he just hopes that we'll go with him. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes when people really close to you die, you wish and hope that you'll find a way to meet again in yeah. this in this incarnation. I just don't believe that's what's what's going on. Like, mm -hmm. it's you know we're so egocentric about our existence. Even the fact that we think that there's a God that actually has a transaction, you know, with Fred today. So Fred, how's it going? You know, it's like, come on. Well, it's that it's that thing in sports where you know these people are praying that you know that God's going to bless their team in the contest today. It's so ridiculous. You know my yeah right. Yeah. My version of God is the sky muppet. You call him Santa God. But I want to get back to because some of the work Ralph's done. I'm, people who haven't been listening to Ralph's journey on our show, uh, Ralph's done a lot of. Uh, I don't know what you call it. You, you've been doing some some workshops, uh, death yeah, and dying, aging to saging, aging to saging. But but yeah. But I want to talk about that in a second because I, I do believe because one of the questions I had for you was why are we so ill prepared for death? But I want to get to this idea that some people, myself, believe that religion was created because of our fear of death. It's a yeah, sort of it's, it's partly. a partly. So a lot of people, like Fred's father in law and, and others, you know believe that if they're good in this life, then there will be an afterlife for them, and that's the reward for their being good. So that's Yeah, that's one, that's one thing. But the other, so religions, I know in, in my religion, in Judaism, there are things that we do to rehearse dying. Like Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, the holiest day on the Jewish calendar, you actually are supposed to dress in the same way that you would be dressed as a corpse, which is in white. Uh, basically, when you're a corpse, you're supposed to be shrouded in white uh, cloth. So you're in white. 
and it is the death of a year. It is the renewal and the promise forward of intention for the rest of the next year. But it's a small way of practicing ending, beginning, ending, beginning. And since we religion has a function as the rituals of religions like birth, celebration of birth, marriage, you know, all these different things are just ways for the human mind to understand enormous ideas in a small moment. So I, I think it's important for people to find ways to really rehearse the idea of goodbye. So another thing is when you say goodbye, it, 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 in the morning, if you have someone else in your home who you love and you're leaving, don't take take for granted that you're leaving. Just oh, see ya. You know, mm-hmm. look at them and say, uh, "Love you. See you. See you soon." And you want the last things you say to somebody to be the best things you've said to mm-hmm. them, right? How many times have we been in a situation where, said, like, I interviewed a guy for this book I'm writing about a drummer, J.R. Robinson. Like most recorded drummer in the world. Yeah, you mentioned last time. Yeah, when yeah, they crazy. So I interviewed this guy, uh, John Regan, bass player for Peter Frampton for thirty years. Played with Jr. for a while. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. He was lovely. He had great quotes. Like when Jr. hits the drums, he hits them like they owe him money. You know, these are just great quotes and the. Uh, Weapons of mass percussion. I mean, he was just saying fabulous things. And I love talking to this guy. And two days later, I I see a, a message from JR that he died. He just died. And I was like, what? Like, mm-hmm. two days ago, you were so alive. So, it, it, you know, there's the old thing. Um, if you repent... The day before you die, every, everything will be forgiven. Mm-hmm. Right? And you, well, how do I know when that is? Exactly. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> Don't keep waiting. Because because we deny death, we, we live our lives like we've got forever. Well, and that was one, one of my questions, too, in your workshops and in this discussion, you know. We are ill-prepared. I mean, I know it's, I shouldn't say ill-prepared because you know, if somebody's sick for a long time, you sort of see it coming. But just as a society, you know, we're sort of death deniers now because there's so much because of our ability to repair and have, you know, medical you know, medical breakthroughs. But would you say in your opinion that we're ill-prepared as a society for this inevitable yeah. end to us? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a book called Die Wise. Um written by a Canadian. Uh, and uh, it's a great book to read because we are seriously death-phobic. Like yeah. you just said, if somebody has a long illness, we don't even let them die. We're just, no, come on, man, you got to fight it. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you can do this. You can, you know, like when people have signs like fuck cancer, I've had cancer. Mm-hmm. I have no desire to fuck cancer. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to work mm-hmm. with this now because I've got this thing and that's okay. It's not me. It is in me. Mm-hmm. And I hope that well, we can get through this. But, you know, it's, not everything is conquer this, you know. It's like I, I, there was this be- beautiful line, uh, when did the war on po- poverty become the war on the poor, you know. And it's the same thing with death. Like, you know, we have a war on death. It's like, what? What? You're going to lose. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but yeah. Tr- nobody is me, conquering cancer just yet. Yeah, well, how, 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 how fifty percent are, by the way. Yeah, 
just help me with this. But when you say we're not prepared for death, like yeah. generally, what do you mean? Because my buddy died on Saturday uh, or whatever it was at 66, 67. And immediately my mind starts going. It's like if I died today, mm. Delise is my wife. Would she know where everything is? Would she know yep. who to contact? Would she know uh, what assets we have? Because I handle a lot of that. You don't necessarily mean preparing for death that way. You mean in other that's ways. That's part of it, though. But that's part that of is it. part of it, isn't it? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Oh, wait a second. I mean, I, I, if you die, do I know where everything is in the company? <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Well, you will because there's a document that I've prepared for that. Actually, excellent. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see that. My father refused to engage in the writing of a will. He oh, thought geez. it was uh, a bad luck to do that. Mm. You're, you're, wow. you're, you're, you're t- tempting, you know. Pip, mm-hmm. pip, 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 I was going to say, that's the, such a Jewish thing. Don't yeah. talk about it. Pip, pip, pip. <laughs> the evil eye. <laughs> the evil so. eye. Yeah, yeah. So, so he was mm-hmm. like, no, I don't want to talk about it. And my mother was like, what do you mean you don't want to talk about it? And then, of mm-hmm. course, my father died and my mother had 30 years left. But my brother end, ended up having to f- figure out everything and where everything is. But that's part of it, that we yeah. don't really want to talk about it. But the other part is, there's a really interesting part, which is if I sit in a group of people about aging, and I say, Mm -hmm. how do you feel about aging? Most of them feel very badly about it, Mm -hmm. even if they're still in reasonably good health, Mm because they're terrified of of the way we treat people as they get older, and the way we ghettoize them, and the way we just leave them to be uh, go die in a corner, right? So there's there's that. Then there's the way we treat people who are dying. And in many cases, we drug them to the point where they don't even know they're here. They have so much morphine in them that they're just out almost co- in a coma. And then they're dead. So we don't even want to be dying. We just want to be dead. Now, if I have a, a an illness that I know is only going to get horrifically worse... And it's clear, I'm going to go and have someone say, Friday at 2, yeah. we're going to put in an IV and we're going to do this. Which, by the way, I think is a really innovative, uh, human, human, humane. humane approach to, and then what it's called in Canada is made, uh, medically made. assisted something, uh, death. But I, because I, what, you know, I know somebody fairly close to uh, our family that has had that. Their mother did that. And what they did to prepare for their death, uh, because the mother made the decision of sound mind and body, and and then basically said, hey, on this date, I'm going to do that. Everyone come and visit. We'll have some nice visits. And uh, they were still able to have conversations, but they just knew it wasn't going to get better. They were in their high 80s, early 90s. And uh, I love that. Because yeah. I think what we don't, what I've, I'm getting to is that all, all three of us I would agree. I think we don't want to be a burden to the people that love us. Absolutely. I don't believe. And, and there's a, a wonderful thing I use in my workshop that uh, one of my teaching rabbis taught me. She, she taught us this thing of, called the Oh My God Letter. So she has four kids. So she has a letter for each one of them in a filing cabinet of after she's died for her to send her love to these children, each individually. And she called it, oh, my God, because somebody would phone and go, your mother just passed away. Oh, my God. Mm. Right? So that's why she called it that. That's great. If you write those to the people you care about and love, you know, to your children, 
to your partners, if you write these things, what it does is after you've actually written it and gotten it out of your head, how much you care for them and how much you, they've meant to you and how they've helped you with the journey and how you hope that you've been decent to them enough. When you see them next, you talk to them that way. You mm. just have softened yourself to realize that you shouldn't wait. You shouldn't put everything on hold because nah, manana, don't worry about it. I'll do it mm -hmm. some other time. You got to find a way to do your life now because there, this is your life. There isn't no future or past in this moment. This is it. So what are you going to do with it? Because I talked to this guy and two days later he was dead. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet he was full of life and funny and, and smart and gentle, you know, wrote right afterwards, had a great conversation with Ralph, you know, t uh, looking forward to the book, you know, all that stuff. So, Well, wouldn't that, Howard, also apply to Andrew Crystal? Didn't you talk to him like not long before yeah. he goes out for a walk and drops dead? I was texting you, the guy. Did you know Andrew Crystal? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he was a friend of ours and a uh, mm -hmm. friend of both of us. But I, you know, that was we were having this conversation that I was texting him uh, an, an, the night uh, that he was texting me about the Voldemort, uh, Derringer stuff. That's what we call him. So, and I was having this conversation back and forth with Andrew, and the next morning I, I, when I woke up, someone had messaged, I saw it on social media, that he had died. And I was like, well, just as you said, that's strange. You know, eight hours ago, we were having a conversation. Yeah, yeah. So, but death is is still really hard in Western uh, civilization. And it's part of that now is because we've many of us, unlike your father-in-law, Fred, many mm -hmm. of us have given up on this idea that this isn't it. This is preparation for the real it, you know, mm -hmm. the, the heaven. In mm -hmm. Judaism, there's no heaven in hell. We don't have a hell. Well, there is hell when they're, you, you're, you're paying when you're paying full price, Ralph. When we pay full price, that come on. It's when all that's left is <laughs> herring in a jar, and you hate herring. That's right. You know that you're a bad person in a bad mm -hmm. place. Yeah, so that's what it is. It's like we don't have that. So then, why are we here? Is a question that most people, especially in a, a completely material society like this one. We mm -hmm. don't sit around. We don't go to, to churches and, and temples and synagogues anymore and mosques. Uh, we've given up on it, but we haven't replaced it with anything deeply meaningful. Mm -hmm. We just haven't. We've just replaced it with with uh, being serfs in a, in a digital economy at this point, where you're never quite there and you're looking for the next thing. So, you know, too busy to be here. Yeah, I'll tell you, nothing puts a knot in my stomach quicker than that. Those moments of why are we here? I mean, sitting here doing this right now, like, why does this even need to be happening? Or why is it happening? <laughs> well, listen, there's a lot of people. I, I, try, I try not to think about it, whether that's good or bad. Fred, there's people. Why, listen, why do you say, try not to think about it? Let me well, because, it, again, it frustrates me because there's I can't I, I can't come up with an answer. But haven't people ever I'm sure they've come to you and said, I listen to you all the time. I re it makes mm -hmm. me happy. I have a great, you know, sure. like, part of it is conquering separateness. That's mm -hmm. why we're doing this is that yeah. people can, through us, have a conversation with us and with themselves that they can spread to other people. It's sharing. Well, yeah. maybe I should. Re uh, uh, why is there life? Maybe is better. 
a better description. Well, yeah, I was going to say that. Why the, is there the, anything? The joke I tried to get in there with mm-hmm. is, is people ask themselves every every day when they listen to our show, Ralph, why are these guys here? Why are they still doing this? You know, what I, I do disagree with one thing you said, though, Ralph. Uh, I, I think what's happened for a lot of people, not, not for everyone, they've replaced religion, formal religion, going to buildings and staring into the ceiling. <laughs> Uh, a lot of Jewish people have replaced that with a mindfulness revolution, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, the Jew booze, the a lot of Jewish people, Fred, you know, maybe not know this, that have become Buddhists. But there's mm-hmm. a real mindfulness uh, movement. movement. And I think for a lot of people, mm-hmm. that's replaced formal religion in the contemplation of why we're here. What is my meaning? What yeah. being more present, more mindful, more. It's a real buzzword in sports in culture as well. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I read a quote or heard a quote a few weeks ago that the, the language of God is silence. It's not, you know. Howard, it's me. <laughs> Sorry. There's none of that going on. Are you there, God? There's no, Could you get Tiger's... <laughs> could you do something with Tiger's leg for me, please? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. No, so uh, what you're talking about, I think, is spirituality yes. as opposed to religion. And spirituality is the relationship issue. How, my relationship to myself, you know, Fred talking about why am I here? That's that's a conversation with self, a relationship to others. How do I treat other people in my life? And a relationship to the vastness and unknowability of this universe that if you're really quiet, you can become part of. But most of it, like right now, I'm really making an effort to just, this morning I put on ambient music and I still haven't checked my phone. Mm-hmm. It's been two hours since I've been up, and I haven't checked my phone. And I'm just like, okay. And I agree with you, too. I, I think that's what the question Fred's asking, and I think it's a question a lot of us are asking is, you know, why are any of us here? And the answer can be found in meditative, quiet, you know. It's not, mm-hmm. hey, I'll tell you where the answer isn't. It's not in scrolling. Um, right. I, I will, agitation. Yeah, it's, it's, exactly. And, and the more you can remove that from your lives. I'll, I'll say one thing that um, what people talk about when they're dying near the end, if they're if they stop fighting with themselves and with it is love. Who have I loved? Who has loved me? And all that you have when it's over is love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have regret and, sh- and shame and, and and all those things, but mm-hmm. you know, may uh, you know the, the, the statement in Judaism is may their uh, me- uh, memory be a blessing, right? Right. And it's because you you want like you want to be the one who when they do the service for you, you go, oh, was that, it was all right. It was all right. Well, listen, it my friend, right. I, I knew that uh, this would be a good follow up to our. Uh, our show yesterday and it obviously doesn't disappoint ralph ben murgy his book if you haven't checked it out is called i thought he was dead a spiritual memoir he is a uh, podcaster of some note i would say uh the one popular podcast is called not that kind of rabbi and the other one is yehuppetsville yehuppetsville yeah, on the Canadian Jewish News uh, Podcast Network. Uh, I'm at ralphbenmergie.ca. Okay. So if anybody wants to find me for spiritual counseling or whatever, I'm there. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you. Let me say this. Uh, te quiero. Nos vamos pronto. 
Ay, qué bueno, niño. Gracias, amigo. Thanks, Ralph. De nada. Right, see, see you guys. Love you. Reba, Reba, Andre, Andre. <laughs> Andre, yes. Oh, a wise guy. All right. He I'm is not. a wise guy. <laughs> <laughs> There's Ralph Ben Murray. What I said to him in Spanish was, I love you. I'll see you soon. You know, this, um, I, I've been thinking about this lately, too, this whole end date thing as far as, you know, choosing the day that yeah. you're going to die because of an illness or whatever. You know, the numbers of, the dementia numbers are just through the roof. You know what I mean? No, I don't. What do you mean dimensions? Well, people are getting dementia. Oh, dementia. I thought you said dimension. I'm getting... No, oh, yeah, dementia. dementia. Yes. <clears throat> At a rate that's, it's alarming. Yeah. And you just wonder, because the thing is, you know, as long as you're of sound body and mind, you can make that decision. And w- something that plays on me, you know, we're all at it. We never want to be a burden on our kids. But if this dementia, uh, dementia thing takes over and you can't make that decision, I mean, you can be a burden for years and years and years. Can we come up with a solution that you can sort of do a... A pre thing, if is that available? I, I think if I ever get dementia, I want to duck in. Aren't this. there some people that have that in their? I don't know if it, this is the wrong term. Living wills, or I in, in their final wishes. Because listen, I've seen it. I've seen it up close. It's no good. You no, know, me, yeah, me exactly. madre. You know when and, you know my mother had no idea. My mother did have an idea. She had Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm early on because she got it in her 50s but the last three or four years my mother had no idea what was going on horrible what these people go through and again um the numbers and for whatever reason you know the way we live what we eat this thing's exploding so in the next several years there's going to be a lot of people of not sound to mind in facilities being paid for by kids if where if they were of sound mind they would be they would be horrified to think that their kids had that burden. So, again, that's just my question. Hopefully, going forward, maybe it's already in place where we, well, we can still think about it. If I get dementia, which the chances are pretty good, um, can we end well, this? Well, one of the reasons you say, I don't know if it's the reason it's exploding is because of the fact that we're all living longer. And even yeah. though, and there's, there's lots of ways to keep the meat sack in order, mm-hmm. but right. your brain you know, yeah. should that befall you? And listen, you know, I've told you this. My brothers and I all have the same mm-hmm. fear because our mother had it. And so as soon as any one of us goes, well, what was that? And then you're like, oh, here, here we go. Uh, mm-hmm. Listen, we're going to get way behind. We've got the Sherpa <laughs> coming up. But first, I want to talk about EVNet.ca. It is the world of electric vehicles. And this might be your first time ever trying it. And if it is... EVNet.ca can handle your experience, whatever that is. You want to try a car out for a day? And by the way, it doesn't have to be a Tesla. I, I will say this, though. You know, I've I've been lucky to be in some nice cars. I've never been in a car like this. I mean, drive it. Just try it out. There's the Nissan Leaf. There's the Kona. There's uh, all kinds of opportunities for you to get into an electric vehicle. See what it's like. See if it fits you and your lifestyle. Try it for a day or a weekend or even a week. Choose your experience and get a hold of the people at evnet.ca. The best way to try an electric car in Canada is, without a doubt, evnet.ca. Oh, let's talk a little Bodog right now. Uh, tonight, the uh, Edmonton uh, Vegas series begins. Uh, the game tonight, pretty much a toss-up. 
Edmonton minus 115, Vegas minus 105. So, yeah, pretty much a toss-up, 6.5. On the series, Edmonton uh, favored minus 160. Uh, you'll collect uh, plus 135 on Vegas if you bet them for the series. Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker, casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book. Yes, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Uh, Sherpa is standing by, after which uh, we go back and talk a little bit of uh, Leafs-Panthers hockey. And I have something interesting to tell you, how I have a connection to uh, two different players on the Florida Panthers. Okay? And now the tradition that unites us all continues. Uh, as uh, we've been doing for quite some time, it's uh, always our pleasure to welcome our friend, Professor Niblet, Tim.Niblet at RaymondJames.ca. He is the retirement Sherpa. Hello, Timmy. Good morning, everybody. I got back north safe and sound just in time to go back to Tampa for a conference. So uh, exciting times in the Sherpa residence. That's oh. funny, yeah. Wow, Tampa. It, what is, is it for you? For you, because Freddie and I were gone a little bit this winter. You know, if you've been paying attention to Aging with Energy, the Old Guys Travel Show, also sponsored by the Retirement Sherpa, Fred and I have been away, and I, in my case, for nine straight weeks. When you go away for when, like you were gone for a few months, does it take you a little bit to kind of get used to being back in your home and all the regular sort of Burlington stuff you have to do? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's great. We've been in this house for over 20 years in Burlington for, for that long and and more. So it's just home, right? But yeah, it's, it's nice to, it's kind of like your first day back at school, I guess, right? Yeah, in the good old days. It's it's fun to be back. It's just getting your head around the crappy weather that uh, comes in. <laughs> That's right. That part's not <laughs> good. So, you know, in honor of your new sponsor, Archidec, uh mm-hmm. We unfortunately haven't been able to enjoy our outdoor kitchen very much because of the weather, but we can look at it. Well, just put a parka on. <laughs> That's right, parka and uh, one of the, the heaters. And, on. Yeah, I was going to say heaters are one of those hobo fires. Uh, speaking of houses, uh, we've been going through uh, the whole Sherpa uh, process the last few weeks, and it's fascinating. Today, we're going to talk about something that uh, Tim calls Sherpa sizing your house. Yes, and uh, explain that to me, how you Sherpa-size your house. Well, you know, if you think about it, most of us, are our largest asset probably, possibly, is in the home itself, right? In the in the equity that we've got in our home. I mean, things have been up and down, uh, but especially if you're in the GTA, it's uh, a lot. So, you, you know, you have to, when you make your plan, go, hey, do I want to pass with lots of equity in my home doing nothing and... You know, use it for legacy or something, which, of course, is a great thing. But uh, a lot of us, we needed to retire earlier or to have some fun with the kids and go on a cruise. or So that's a super important thing to look at. Do you want to uh, just talk to the client on Friday, last uh, appointment of the day on Friday? And that's what they're looking to do. They're going to sell in, uh, in the GTA. They're going to move a little bit outside. They're going to travel some more and take advantage of the power of their equity. I mean, a lot of times people talk about downsizing or you know you know moving somewhere else 
But I know we've had some conversations over the years, uh, the three of us, about getting some of the equity out of your home without actually selling your home. Right, that's absolutely a choice. Uh, now, it, the dynamics are a little different currently because of the interest rates, right? They're coming down. Inflation's coming down. That's been positive on the markets as well. Uh, it was really the biggest concern last year, and it's thankfully lessening. So, you know, you have to make the numbers work for sure. But certainly, if, if on average, see, what we don't think about is, let's say you got a million dollars equity in your home, just to pick a nice, easy number for me here. Mm. Um if it's going up 3% a year, it's going up 30% in, well, sorry, just if that's the value of the home as well, um, it's, that's 30 grand a year. Well, you could kind of spend 30000 for the year and still break even on mm-hmm. your net equity, right? So, especially over the last, what, three, five years uh, around here, there's been a huge increase in our equity in our homes, but people don't always look into tapping into it. Well, as far as, you know, not selling your house, like a line of credit, it, for years and years, it made sense not to use your own money, use the bank's money, but there's sort of a tipping point, and we're, we're sort of near there now, right, where maybe it doesn't make as much sense to do it through a line of credit would make more sense to sell or find other means to tap into it. Right. So that's the joy of having a plan, knowing your priorities, all those things. I I think the important Mm -hmm. part is, you know, when we bring things up to clients, it it just gives them some information to have a conversation about these things because it isn't the kind of thing that they would think of uh, often. Some would be, uh, you know, I don't want to touch my my equity at all. Some would say I want to tap into it. That's, you know, we're all we're all different. But you have to decide, A, you want to do it, and then B, what's the best methodology to do so. And so part of the surpassizing the house uh you know paradigm if you will is to have these conversations with tim because it might make sense for you to get some of the equity out while you're still living in it or which is most people think about doing this as i said at the beginning about downsizing is selling your home getting the equity out but then you still have to live somewhere Absolutely. I mean, another uh, twist on it as well, uh, guys, is you could kind of use your investments a little bit faster than you would want to normally, knowing that at some point in time you're going to sell the property and you can, you know, create some extra money from that as well. I mean, when Lauren and I did our plan and, and review our plan, we don't know exactly when we're going to move from Burlington or South Florida or whatever, but at some point in time they're going to happen. So mm-hmm. you can just work them in into the future so it's part of your overall thought process. Fantastic. Are you at all an advocate of reverse mortgages or is that something way out there as far as you're concerned? I think in general, Fred, they make some sense, although classic reverse mortgages, most of the ones I've seen have been appreciably more expensive right. than other ways of of getting at it. So it's the concept's great. It depends on the execution, right? So you have right. to watch what the, uh, what the rates are for sure, what your autonomy is mm-hmm. as well. Often the line of credit that you mentioned is, uh, is a better way to go. Yeah, this okay. one, it just for some reason I hear, because I listen to satellite radio a lot, you hear a lot about that. It seems to be more of an American vibe, but I could be wrong. I mean, I'm sure it's available here. Not according to Kurt Browning. He's always flogging. (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, there you go. Another uh, exciting episode of Retirement Sherpa, Sherpa Sizing Your House. Any final thoughts, Professor? 
Well, it's just exciting to be watching the Leafs in a second round uh, playoff mm. series. That's for sure. So uh, hopefully I'll, I'll uh, be talking to some of my Tampa pals as the week progresses. And they're a lot quieter now than they were before. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, Tim.Niblet at RaymondJames.ca. Always a pleasure talking to the retirement Sherpa. You should, too. It makes sense if you know what you're doing. Thanks, Timmy. My pleasure as always, boys. Enjoy and profit. Uh, see you, buddy. Always a pleasure having him with us. And uh, no Dan Duran news because uh, Dan Duran's busy uh, with his uh, projects. But hopefully we'll have Dan finish out the week with us tomorrow. Um, you know, I was thinking of you yesterday because you had gotten to the end of Wrexham before me. And we had been talking about it earlier about getting involved in the uh, team's success. So the last couple of episodes are playing in this thing called the FA Cup at Wembley. And then they play a final game at their stadium. It's called the race course. I was sitting there on the couch, like getting like ex- excited about the outcomes of these games that I know had already happened. Like they did a really, I guess my point is they did a really good job of that series. Probably because you've been watching Ted Lasso and you sort of drift in and out of reality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good point. You know? Yeah. But there I am. They're playing. Uh, I can't remember who they played at Wembley, but I was like, you know, every time the other team scored or whatever, I'd be like, ah, <laughs> getting all b-. and seeing the, the passion that these two guys, Rob and Ryan have, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhinney have for this team is pretty, it's pr- I think it's pretty genuine. Yes, they are going to make money on it. And yes, it's. You know, Ryan Reynolds is about a billionaire. The money doesn't mean anything to him. But the fact that he's there, you could see it. They really care about it. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, it's sport. There are a couple of guys that are into sports and it all money aside, that's their team and they want their team to win. Yeah. So they're, uh, yeah, they're having fun with that thing, man. And now that the burden of cost is probably off their shoulders, which it will be. Um, it's just fun, 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 isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. So should I save the uh, Panthers connection story for you tomorrow when you have uh, when we're we're not we're not at the end of the show or should I tell you now? I'll you tell you tell what. me now. Huh? Well, whatever you want, Howard, it's your gem. You hide it for another day or you show me. Well, I'll tell you what. Tomorrow. I'll tell you about the lady friend connection that I have to the Florida Panthers. Okay. But first I'll tell you, what I'll tell you as we shut down today is when I lived in Calgary, there was, uh, you know, I did morning's show there and I did a TV Mm -hmm. show there. And on the TV show, I would often have some of the Calgary Flames on. And Mm -hmm. I had uh, Lanny McDonald, who uh, Mm -hmm. became a friend of my little TV show. And he's actually been on this show was always very good. Uh, Jim Poplinski, mm-hmm. another Calgary Flame from the 80s, and a guy named Paul Reinhardt. Yes. Oh, right. His and son. I, well, that's the thing. So I'm watching the game last night. I don't know anything about the Florida Panthers, except they're big, strong, and fast. Who's that one guy that kept hitting everybody in the first uh, period? He's ridiculous. Matthew Tuchuk. Tuchuk, man. He's a fucking truck. I and, know. They have their hands full. And then I look up. Who this, I think, Reinhardt, Sam Reinhardt, who's a nice little player. And sure enough, his father is this guy that I knew for a few years in Calgary, Paul Reinhardt, who was a nice player in his day. 
mm-hmm. a central part of that early 80s Calgary Flames team. And I just thought, oh, isn't that interesting? And it's funny how that happens, too, that the odd guy whose parent played in the league can actually, it doesn't happen very often. But, well, but Matthew Tuchuk, his dad, Keith Tuchuk. Keith Tuchuk. His, his brother plays for, his brother plays for Ottawa. Yeah, there's, yeah. Isn't that ironic that I mentioned Tuchuk because I know who Keith Tuchuk is. Mm-hmm. But Paul Reinhardt was a guy that was part of my, you know, the odd time in the morning show. And again, on this little kid's show I used to host. And that, again, his kid is a nice player, man. Oh, yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, it's all compared to the Leafs. It's a one. It's a one line team, and that team or that one line sort of beat the Leafs last night. Didn't they score all the goals or something? Yeah. Although Montour, he's a defenseman, scored a goal, but yeah, Montour, another guy that's a nice little player. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, the Leafs have to uh, increase their intensity a bit. But, I, 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 again, they lost the first game of the last series and everything, and uh, we'll see what happens. And the Leafs play so well on the road, too, it seems. Yeah, well, I don't know, man. You're, I think what you said a second ago is the truth. That's the truth. They have their hands full. Yes, they are. I mean, even to my brother-in-law the other day, and I said, geez, I don't know. Or my son-in-law, rather. I said, I don't know, Bruins or Florida. He goes, oh, come on, no, we want Florida, man. I don't want to tangle with the Brewers, the Bruins. I don't want to go through that. And I said, I don't know, but Florida beat the Bruins. Doesn't that tell you something? Mm-hmm. And uh, we, may see, uh, we may see that. Well, what it tells me is you could see in that game last night, you could see why or how they beat the Bruins. Yeah. Um, okay. W- which may have been the advantage the Leafs had on the Bruins, their speed. Doesn't apply here, it seems. Well, it'll be interesting. So what happens? So we have a game Thursday, and because of uh, American television, no game Saturday, Sunday night at 6.30. Mm-hmm. And then again, then I think they play... Oh, I don't have it in front of me. They play Sunday, and then... Oh, then they play Sunday. They don't play again until Wednesday. That's really weird, man. So this is really stretched out. Okay. The players probably like it. A couple of nights in between games is good. No, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Thanks to Ralph Ben Mergy, and thanks to everyone that uh, listens to us. We certainly appreciate it. You know, and uh, if this is the last time we talk, you know, it's been great. <laughs> Why do you? No, I'm just saying, okay, like it's to Ralph's point. Like if we, if this is it, oh. like we're dead. Like one of us shows up dead. Thank you, everybody. You know? Oh, you, you, oh, I, for a second there, I thought you had arranged your death today. That's <laughs> okay. Yeah, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it. I've got it booked. <laughs> yeah. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Aaron Ventures, evnet.ca, and our newest sponsor, Architect Outdoor Living, better building by design. We read all of our emails, Humble and Fred at humbleandfredradio.com. Look, liking and subscribing really helps us out by charging up the getting noticed algorithms. So does writing a review. Think about that. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, it's no mo May. Let your lawn be free, allowing flowers to bloom in your lawn to help early season pollinators and insects enjoy every goddamn day.